Welcome to Storehouse Dallas. Amen. All right. Romans chapter 9, verse uh, and through 11. We're continuing from last week. Um, if you'll remember, just the real kind of uh, key verse from the book of Romans that really, in my opinion, sets up the whole framework for the entire book is Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, where Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to those who believe. To the Jew first, very key for today, and also to the Greek. And it reveals the righteousness of God. So the gospel is the power of God for salvation to the Jew first, and also to the Greek, and it reveals the righteousness of God. You know, and this is going to connect directly today with our discussion of Romans 9 through 11. Because as we read Romans, uh, the book of Romans, when we come to chapters 9 through 11, it's real easy to um, get confused or to even ignore it and just even ask these questions of what, what does this have to do with the rest of Romans? Um, what be, and, and why is that? Because these three chapters go into a long discourse about Israel. More specifically... Israel's role in God's plan of salvation. God talks about, or Paul talks about Israel's past, Israel's present, and Israel's future. And the role that Israel plays in each one of those periods in God's plan to save the entire world. So why is Paul talking so much about Israel here? And their salvation. Um, What does it have to do with this good news that's the power of God for salvation and that reveals the righteousness of God? And why, as Romans 1.16 says, to the Jew first? And it's these questions that I hope to answer today. So, my main point is this. God's plan to bring salvation to Israel first, to the Jew first, is his plan to bring salvation to the entire world. To the Jew first, to then to the end of the earth. That's God's plan of salvation. And so Israel is absolutely significant in God's end time plan and God's whole salvation history, past, present, and future. And it's those three things we're going to look at today. Are we ready? Okay, Romans 9, verse 1 through 5. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. Romans 9, verse 1. It says, I am telling the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed, separated from Christ for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh, who are the Israelites, to whom belongs the adoption as sons, and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the temple service and the promises, whose are the fathers and from whom is the Christ according to the flesh, who is over all God-blessed forever. Amen. So, what is Israel's role, Israel's past, have to do with God's plan of salvation? Well, we saw it right here 
in Romans chapter 9, verse 1 through 5. Israel was the first ones that were given this adoption as sons. God says in the Old Testament that Israel is my firstborn. My firstborn. Not my only, but my firstborn. That they received the glory of God. See, Abraham was, God sovereignly chose and called Abraham out of Babylon into the land of Canaan. And he made a promise and he made covenants with Abraham and with his son Isaac and with Isaac's son Jacob. But not only that, he made a covenant with the Israelites as they were brought out of Egypt. God brought them out with a mighty outstretched arm. He released the ten plagues against Egypt that was judgment for Egypt, but was mercy for Israel. And the glory of God dwelt among them in the tabernacle. God's manifest presence, his glory, his power was demonstrated to the Israelites as they went to the wilderness and as they marched into the promised land. And he gave them promises and blessings as part of that covenant. But more specifically, the role of Israel, the significance of Israel in God's plan of salvation is that the Messiah, Jesus Christ, is descended from Israel. He is the son of David. He is a Jewish man. He is risen from the dead and he is seated at the right hand of the Father as a Jewish man. And he will rule the nations as a Jewish man for all of eternity. During his ministry, he ministered primarily to the lost sheep of Israel. He maybe talked to, he, or he talked to a handful of Gentiles. But the primary ministry focus of Jesus as he walked the earth at his first coming was to the Jew first. Why is that? Why did he choose Israel first? Why did he go to the Jew first with the gospel? Is it because they're better? Is it because they're more special than everybody else? Um, No. We're going to talk about that. Why Israel first? The first reason is because of God's sovereign choice. Romans 9, verse 15. For God says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it does not depend on the man who wills or the man who runs, but on God who has mercy. So God is God. He is the creator of the universe. There is no power principality, or law that supersedes God. That's what we mean when we say he's sovereign. That he reigns over everything and everyone because he is the creator God. He submits to no one but himself. He is the sovereign Lord. And he, as God, gets to choose to whom he will demonstrate, who he will use to demonstrate his glory. And he chose Abraham, he chose Isaac, he chose Jacob, and he chose Israel, their descendants. And Paul says, too, that the very fact that God did this sovereignly 
that he chose to have mercy on Abraham and his descendants sovereignly because he's God, it demonstrates that salvation is completely by grace, not by works. Abraham did not earn being chosen by God. Israel did not earn receiving a covenant at Mount Sinai. God sovereignly chose them because he's God. Secondly, excuse me, I got, as you can see, if you've ever seen my work desk, I mean, I'm just, I'm sprawled out everywhere here. So um, if you'll pardon me as I rearrange a little bit all of my papers. I like, um, I'm, I'm kind of a, I like things neat and tidy. So you come into my house, like most things are neat and tidy, but then you look at my desk and it's just like Bermuda Triangle. That's what a, my roommate in college called it. So anyway, refocus. Second reason that God chose Israel first in his plan of salvation. He chose Israel first in order to be a first fruits who would bring blessing and salvation to the entire world. God said to Abraham, in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So God's desire to bless humanity and his plan to bring that blessing of life and salvation to humanity, the way he enacted that plan is he started by choosing a man, Abraham, and saying, I'm going to bless you first, and in you, I will spread that blessing to all the families, all the nations of the earth. Israel first, then the ends of the earth. Jesus even told his disciples, all of whom were Jews, all of the 12 apostles are Jews. They received the gospel first. But Jesus said in Matthew 28, right before he ascended into heaven after his resurrection, he said, go therefore make disciples of all the nations, (laughs) baptizing them, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. He commissioned a group of Jews that he selected first to take the gospel, to take salvation, to take this free gift of righteousness and proclaim it to all of the earth. To the Jew first, then to the ends of the earth. His plan to bring salvation to Israel first is his plan to bring salvation to the entire world. So, This group of Jews that Jesus ministered to first is very important, and Paul keeps reminding us in these three chapters, they didn't earn this, it didn't come by works, it didn't come through their observance of the law. It came by grace. It came, salvation came to the apostles through faith in Jesus Christ. Both Jew and Gentile are saved and made righteous, not by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So, God sovereignly chose Israel first, took the gospel to the Jew first. But what happened? So, though all of Jesus' disciples were Jewish, and though the gospel for years was going primarily to the Jews... Eventually, as that gospel started spreading to the Gentiles, um, the majority of the Jewish people, the Jewish community in the first century, they rejected Jesus as their Messiah. Many were saved, but many said, no, Jesus, we reject you. 
and they handed him over to the Gentiles to be crucified on that cross. And Paul says in Romans that they were seeking a righteousness, but they were seeking to establish a righteousness based on their own works. And they miss this righteousness of God that comes through faith in their very own Jewish Messiah, Jesus Christ. So they missed it. They missed the time of their visitation. And Jesus tearfully rebukes the leaders of Jerusalem in Matthew 23, who rejected him and said, there is destruction and judgment coming to this city because you did not see the time of your visitation. And you will not see me again, Jerusalem, until you cry out, till you look at me, your Jewish Messiah, and say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen. So, what happened? Israel rejected Jesus for the most part, not all of them, but for the most part they did. Does that mean God's plan failed? See, because Israel was significant Their past was significant in God's plan of salvation, but now that they've rejected him for the most part, does that mean that they are not in God's plan of salvation in the present? No, it does not. They are still part of God's plan of salvation to bring salvation to the entire world. How so? God took two groups of people amongst the people of Israel to continue using them in his present plan. The first is the remnant of Israel who said yes to Jesus. And the second is the rest of Israel that said no to Jesus. Let's talk about these two groups. We doing okay? Take a nice breath. I'm, thank you, Lord. For the book of Romans. Amen. I'm, I'm real teachery right now, and I'm going kind of section by section, line by line. Stay with me. I get charged up over this, so it's kind of stirring in me, so um, Holy Spirit is going to help us. How is Israel part of God's plan of salvation in the present? First of all, there's presently a remnant of Jews on the earth that confess Jesus as Lord and believe in their hearts that God raised him from the dead. This remnant, this present remnant includes the, the first century church, and it includes even till now. That, that now, today, as we speak, there is a remnant of Jews across the earth that say, Jesus, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. <laughs> so this remnant, it includes Paul, Peter, the apostles, all of the first century Jews who said yes to Jesus, and all of the Jews throughout history until this present time that have said yes to Jesus Christ. Romans 11 Verse 4 through 5 says this. In this section, Paul is using the example of the prophet Elijah. Elijah in his own day in ancient Israel is a prophet, but the majority of Israel was worshiping false gods, Baal and Asherah, two demonic principalities whose worship included human sacrifice sexual immorality, and cult prostitution. 
And it just spread across the entire land. And Elijah is here as a, as a remnant in his day, crying out to God, am I the only one? Am I the only one not bowing down to these false gods? They're trying to kill me. Is there any Israelite God that is still worshiping Yahweh, the God of Israel? And this is what happens in Romans 11, verse 4. What is the divine response to Elijah it's this, God says, I have kept my, for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. In the same way, then, there has also come to be at the present time, Israel in the present, a remnant according to God's gracious choice. So God chose this remnant. And they didn't earn being the remnant. This wasn't a group of Jews that kept the law of Moses so well that God said, okay, you're going to be the remnant, you're going to be saved. This remnant that said yes to Jesus and that says yes to Jesus in this day are ones that have attained righteousness by faith in Jesus Christ. That is how they are made righteous. That is how they are saved. So... This first century remnant of Israel is the one, are the ones who originally took the gospel to the ends of the earth. They are the ones that made disciples of the nations. It was to Israel first, then to the ends of the earth. The second group of Israel, the rest of Israel, also plays a significant role in God's plan of salvation in the present. This rest of Israel are the ones who saw Jesus, who witnessed these miracles, and said, no, we do not accept you as our Messiah and our Lord. So how is God going to use them, the rest of Israel, to bring salvation to the ends of the earth? By hardening their hearts. Romans 11, verse 7. What then, what Israel is seeking, this righteousness, it has not obtained. But those who were chosen, that's the remnant, they obtained it through faith in Jesus Christ. In parentheses. The rest were hardened. Their hearts were hardened. And this is, this is kind of an intense uh, passage of all of Scripture. And it's led to a lot of theological debate over history on why does God harden hearts? What's going on there? And I don't have time to get into all of that today. I want to focus on how God is using hardened Israel, people, Jews that have said no to Jesus, to still work in his plan of salvation. Even before Christ, the Father was continually trying to bring his people Israel back to himself. Even in the wilderness, as he brought them out of Egypt, he said, you are a stiff-necked and rebellious people. You continue to worship other gods. And he sent them prophet after prophet, messenger after messenger, and they continued to refuse him. He sent them blessings, and he scorned, they scorned God. He sent them prophets, and they persecuted and killed them. He sent them judgment. And they still had hardened their hearts. And Romans 10, 21 says this, As for Israel, God says, All the day long I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient 
and obstinate people. So they were hardening their own hearts to God. And then God sends his own son, their own Jewish Messiah, who performs miracles, who raises the dead. Even as he's dying on the cross, cries out, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. But they rejected him. And even many began to persecute believers. So they hardened their hearts to the gospel. They hardened their hearts to Jesus of their own accord. And so God helped them and hardened their hearts even more. And he would use it to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. How is that? Their rejection of Jesus, their hardness of heart would result in this gospel going to the ends of the earth. Romans 11, 11. I say then, they did not stumble so as to fall, did they? It's talking about Israel. May it never be. But by their transgression, by their rejection of Jesus, salvation has come to the Gentiles in order to make them jealous. So... As they said no to Jesus, the apostles would say, okay, we're going to the Gentiles, and they're going to say yes. And that's, that's actually exactly how Paul modeled his ministry. He would go from town to town, and he would go into the synagogue first. Sometimes he would stay for weeks or for months talking and reasoning with the Jews, opening up the scriptures and saying, this Jesus whom we handed over to be crucified is both Lord and Messiah. And there were many Jews that would get saved, but there were also many who would reject. And so Paul said, okay, I'm going to the Gentiles, and they will accept him. And that's exactly what happened. That's actually how the the last chapter, the last passage of the book of Acts ends. Paul says, I'm going to the Gentiles. So God used even their hardness of heart to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. God used the remnant, the first group of Jews, to take the gospel across the nations, go and make disciples of all nations. And he used the rest of Israel that had hardened their hearts, that said no to the gospel, as a means to take the gospel to the nations. Is that making sense? So both the remnant of Israel are being used to take the gospel to the nations and the rest of Israel, whose hearts were hardened, are being used to take the gospel to the nations. So, to Israel first, then to the ends of the earth. Well, this gospel has come to the Gentiles. How many Gentiles do we have in this room? How many Germans, German background, Mexican background. That's me. Come on. Hondureña, mi mi amiga Hondureña, Dora Flores. Let's give a hand for Dora. (laughs) We're a lot of Gentiles. We've heard the gospel. So the gospel's come to us. So God's plan for Israel in the present worked. Does that mean that God's done with Israel? Does that mean that Israel has no significance in, God's, in the future for God's plan of salvation? It does not. 
because of this. Salvation for the Gentiles is going to stir the Jews to jealousy and bring them back to God. Romans 11, 14 to 15. Paul is saying, I'm, I'm magnifying my ministry to the Gentiles. If somehow I might move to jealousy my fellow countrymen and save some of them. For if their rejection is the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? Life from the dead. So the gifts and callings upon Abraham and his physical descendants, upon all the children of Abraham, all of Israel, it's so powerful and so irrevocable, it can't be taken away, that even their rejection leads to salvation spreading to the ends of the earth. It's so powerful, God's divine call on their life, that even their disobedience leads to salvation and blessing in the world. And Paul is saying how much more when this hardened rest of Israel says yes to Jesus, will it bring life from the dead? (laughs) How much more will the resurrection power of Jesus be released across the ends of the earth? I tell you, if even their rejection resulted in blessing, their acceptance will result in much more. God is using salvation to the Gentiles to stir jealousy in this rest of Israel that was hardened so that they will say yes to Jesus. What happens? They see a Gentile calling on the God of Israel, crying out for blessing, crying out for breakthrough, laying hands on the sick, seeing hearts transformed, getting free of demons, their hearts coming alive in God, and they're like, what is going on with you and we look at them as Gentiles we say I worship the God of Israel and the Jewish Messiah Jesus Christ has set me free and he wants to set you free too and something's going to stir in their hearts you know I saw just a little picture of this when I was in college Um, I, I was in my undergrad I was at Southern Methodist University I was a music major and I, at the time, I was attending Baruch Hashem, the Messianic Synagogue. Um, I love Baruch Hashem. They're just like, they're extended family <laughs> for, for my wife and I. Uh, but played a big role in our lives. And, um, and so my roommate and I are dressed up to go to a Passover Seder at the Messianic Synagogue. And I mean, if you've ever been to a Passover Seder at any synagogue, I mean, it's like, I mean, this is a big deal. This is, um, and so we're dressed in our suits. We've got our kippah on, our little yarmulkes, and we're going. And we have, uh, there's a few uh, Jewish students in our same residence hall. And I'll never forget this young girl, Lila. Um, and it's uh, um, just this sweet girl. She, and we had started kind of building a relationship with her. She sees us in our yarmulkes, in our kippah, in our suits, going to Passover. And she's like, where are you going? And we say, we're going to a Passover meal. And she looks at us. She says, oh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> and I mean, in that moment, God just like pierced my heart and said, this is how I'm stirring the Jews to jealousy. I'm showing my salvation to the Gentiles. And I'm going to Passover, not just to celebrate Passover um, as, it's, as it's normally done in many synagogues, but to say Jesus is the Passover lamb. I'm celebrating the sacrifice of the unblemished lamb who was slain for, for all the nations to be drawn back to him. 
And I mean, and God just opened up doors to have, have conversations with her in the future. And I am just taking her line by line. I'm saying this gospel is for you and for your people, Lila. God meant it for you first. And I mean, it just, I didn't see her come to the Lord, but I saw when I talked to her, this, this was hitting her heart. And God wants to use you Gentiles and how God is blessing and bringing transformation in your life to stir those Jews that have rejected Jesus, to stir them to jealousy so they say yes to God. This hardness that's over the rest of Israel is being removed. Romans eleven twenty five. For I do not want you, brethren, to be uninformed of this mystery, so that you will not be wise in your own estimation that a partial hardening, say partial, a partial hardening has happened to Israel until, say until, until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so this hardening over the rest, it is partial and it is temporary. There's an until moment. And I believe that this fullness of the Gentiles, that as this gospel is going to the ends of the earth, that as every people group is beginning to hear this good news, that corporately the hearts of these rest of Israel are getting, their hearts are getting softened. And we're seeing in our own day more and more Jews, exponential increase in the number of Jews coming to salvation in Jesus Christ. God is gathering his people back to himself. Israel first, then the ends of the earth. We're going to close with this verse, Romans 11, verse 30 to 32. This shows us what's been in the heart of God, this passage, to bring salvation, not only to Israel, but to everybody. He's always wanted us, in all of us in his family. Romans eleven thirty to 32. For just as you Gentiles once were disobedient to God, worshiping idols, atheists, didn't know the God of Israel, just as you were once disobedient, but now you've been shown mercy because of Israel's disobedience, so these also now have been disobedient. This remnant of Jews, they've hardened their hearts, they've said no to Jesus, they've been disobedient, and that because of the mercy shown to you Gentiles, mercy will now be shown to them. For God has shut up all in disobedience that he may show mercy to all. What's happening here? God chose Israel first to bring blessing and salvation. In you, Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. You, Jewish apostles, go take salvation, disciple all the nations. The remnant took the gospel to the nations. The rest who were hardened even in their hardness, caused the gospel to go even further to the ends of the earth. And now the Gentiles are saying yes to Jesus. And the Gentiles have been shown mercy, and that's stirring up jealousy in the rest of Israel. And their hearts are getting softened. And they're saying yes to Jesus more and more. And now they, once again, are being shown mercy so that all, Jew and Gentile, both 
shall be shown mercy, shall be granted salvation. Amen. Let's stand. <laughs> Friends, we are seeing in our day the fulfillment of this prophecy. Ezekiel 36 said God was going to regather Israel back into the land, physically relocate them into the land that he promised. And then he would pour out his spirit on them, cleanse them of their sin, and give them a new heart. This hard heart is going to be removed, and it's going to be made a heart of flesh. And friends, Israel, people have descended from Israel from all over the nations. In our day, in our day, are making Aliyah to Israel. They are going back up to Mount Zion to worship the Lord. And many are getting saved, and there is a remnant in the land as we speak crying out, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And I tell you that this cry is going to stir the heart of Jesus, and he will do what he promised. He will return to Jerusalem. He will save his people, and all Israel shall be saved. And this gospel, resurrection life, will spread to the ends of the earth. Amen. Let's pray.